everybody. So glad you're here today for the final piece of our 40 Days in the Word series that we've been in, and really for just getting out today, you know, in the weather. I know lots of folks have been hearing reports about flooding, and uh, one lady called in and said her garage was flooding, and power outages, and roads closed. And uh, when I got here about 6.30 this morning, one of the things I really loved is that when I got here, there were already people here, and there were already people serving. Uh, the coffee bar folks were here. They were getting the coffee bar already. Uh, there were already people up here on the stage preparing everything, and uh, the facility care had been here. already had an email from Doyle saying, hey, he's our facilities guy. He said, hey, we've got 13 leaks in the building, and so he already counted them, okay? <laughs> and so he just wanted to let us be aware that uh, he knew what was going on. And uh, just uh, then uh, when I went out before first service, it was about quarter till eight, and I saw the uh, greeters and ushers, and they're all huddled in a big circle, and they're praying praying for the service that they would get to serve in. And I know that they did it again for this service. And then all the things that happened, you actually had folks in your children's classrooms that you could drop the, where you could drop your kids off today because they were faithful to come and serve even on a day when many people would stay home. So just with me, let's just thank all of them for all they do. And it's just wonderful. I just love it. Love being part of a place like this where we serve and give. And also you're applauding for yourself. You know, just getting out this morning for some of you was a feat. Amazing to be here. So if you would, go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program. And we're not going to look at one particular verse or section from the Bible today because we're going to culminate this series and we're going to look at several. But this will just allow you to take some notes and follow along with us. And right there at the top, or before I do that, I'm thinking about the whole idea of us being in the Bible. You know, and reading it and it's helpful. Have you ever read something that wasn't helpful? Or you read something that it wasn't quite as helpful as it could have been, or it was helpful, but you really had to wrap your brain around it. Well, I came across some signs this week I just want to share with us. And as we read these signs, you think, is this helpful or not? Okay, no helping, no swimming if you can't swim. Okay, so some of you, you needed that today, right? That was going to get you in a lot of trouble if you didn't see that. Let's look at the next one, okay? Okay, so the balcony's not on the ground, so I really shouldn't jump off, right? It's not on the ground level. That was helpful, all right? Let's look at the next one. <laughs> Anywhere you want to go, you can be on the path. There's not one path, but we can be on any path, okay? Where we're going, who knows? Okay, next one. i say that's a helpful sign, wouldn't you, that we want to get in the alligators? Look at the next one. Do you get, oh, okay, whatever, okay, there's something bad in the water, so don't breathe it, okay? I like this one a lot. <laughs> Just yell, help, 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 I need some help. Let's look at the next one. That is a helpful sign, okay? <laughs> Make sure those cars stop before you get in that crosswalk, okay? Oh, and then, uh... <laughs> Oh, I don't even know where that might have been, you know? <laughs> Just no, no, if you leave the, to go to the bathroom, you don't get back in, okay? Just know that. Okay, here we go. Next one. And then I love this one, especially this time of year. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so some things are helpful, some things are not. And what we're saying is when we read God's Word, it's always helpful. He speaks to us right where we are, teaches us what is best for us, in the moment. And look at that verse at the top of your notes. It's our theme verse in this series. Mark just read it, but I want to read it again. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word. Would you circle this two words? Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, we began this experience on October 21st. On that day, 
I showed you a graph. I want to bring that graph back to our attention because this is where we started. This is the whole impetus for this series. How often I read the Bible. This is a survey done of people who are followers of Christ, people who are church attenders. This is not just America. This are church attenders. And how often do I read the Bible? 19% every day, all the way to 18%, rarely or never. 22% said once a month, 14% said once a week, 26% says a few times a week. And what we were trying to do in this series is we were trying to ask every one of you to move into the first category, and you would read it every day for 40 days. The whole goal of this series is that you will take a step forward in your time frame that you give the Bible, that you would read it more often. And my prayer is that some of you will choose to keep going and read it every day after this series because you've formed a good habit, a habit that helps. Now, I want to give you another thought about why this is so important. Another survey was done. It was actually called the Reveal Study, and it revealed, this was church done of thousands of churches and hundreds of thousands of church attenders, and what this survey showed is it said that the number one factor in spiritual growth, the number one factor to help someone move closer to being like Jesus Christ was their willingness to engage with the Bible. The Bible was the number one factor that caused people to grow spiritually, to move forward. So if you combine this, if we're not reading the Bible very often, if the Bible's the number one factor to help us to grow spiritually, then why aren't we growing more spiritually? Because we're not what? Engaging the Bible. We want to engage it. Now at the end of the series, what I want to help us do is I want to help us to realize we're finished now with all the cheerleading. We're finished now with all that motivational stuff, and now it's up to each one of us to get down in the nitty-gritty, in the dirty, in the real, in the raw, and for us to be able to read the Bible ourselves. And so today what I want to talk about is how can you integrate the Bible into your life? How can you make sure that you keep these habits going? Now look at this next verse in Psalm 119. Get there in just a second. Psalm 119, it says this. What I want most of all and at all times is to honor your laws. So notice what it says there. I want most of all. Would you circle that? Most of all. Some of you have done your Christmas list. Was this on your Christmas list? Most of all, to honor your laws at all times. That's what I want most of all. And that is the the heart that we're asking for in this series. Now, I've asked you several times in this uh, series to share with me your stories Uh, So my stories, many of you have done that. I've received scores of emails and personal uh, on my story page on our website. And I just want to read some of those about how your engagement with God's word has changed your life. These are just examples of some people in our church family. This one says this, I've tried to read the Bible and for some reason it was enjoyable, but I could not understand it. I was in small groups before and I wouldn't understand. So I dropped out. I joined small groups again, just giving it a try during 40 days in the Word. Well, I have this. I have either become the best student or God has stepped in my, into my life, which I know has happened with God and me. I have made a complete turn in my life with this series. I am reading the Bible every day and enjoying it so much and understanding it completely. And it was because of the lessons I learned in 40 days in the Word. Listen to this one. 40 days in the Word has been a true transformation for me. I have been a Christian for 35 years, and I feel as if I missed out on so much. I'm anxious to do my study every day now. I want to have God's Word on my heart every moment, so I enter the spiritual fight that occurs daily and live according to His Word as I always have 
but I've never been able to keep up with the study habits to do it. Now, you know, I get this comment a lot of times, and we do our teaching around here, not just for me, but for the other teachers as well. And folks say to us a lot, say, I just wish I would have known this sooner. Have you ever thought that? I just wish I would have known this sooner. And you've got, you know, some baggage, or you've got some things in your life that you wish were different. You say, and, and I just got to say this. You could have. You could have. It's written down. It's written down for all of us to know. So now you look at your future and you say, I want my future to be everything that God wants it to be, so I'm going to read it and engage with it. Here's another one. I just want to take a minute and thank you for this amazing series. I'm thoroughly enjoying, uh, enjoying it. I have done Bible study fellowship, women's studies, I've led a group, but this one has really stood out to me. It has really given me a new look on studying. I have re- re- reignited my faith. I have always prayed daily, but for some reason this is different. I feel the sense of urgency to listen. I feel like God wants to use me again. I am always on a journey on how he wants to use me, and he's used the many applications that we've talked about in this series to change my life. And then also, you know what? This series has affected people who are far from Christ. Listen to this one. A year ago, my stepdad was thinking about becoming a Muslim. Through coming to Twin Cities over the first year, last year and joining our community group for 40 Days in the Word, he announced last week that he was going to choose Jesus Christ and be baptized. Super cool. Isn't that just super cool? I'm just right with it. Super cool. Oh, I have decided, I love this part, I have decided to start using all the Bible study methods I've learned through this study to pray for my loved ones who don't know Jesus yet. I am praying these verses over these loved ones. What an awesome study. I'm sure we don't even know the depth of the impact it's made. Isn't that just cool? It's awesome. Praying God's word over their lost friends, their friends who don't know Jesus Christ. Praying it over them, not just for themselves, but so their friends would come to know Jesus Christ as well. And then on the 16th, we're going to have baptisms and see some folks take their step forward in faith as well. So what I want to do is to begin with today, I just want to give us some foundations that we could build our life on and then get to the Bible as the true foundation for life. But this kind of help us to think about this because as we're thinking about integrating our life around the Bible, well, just know that there's some competition. There's some competition. So I'm going to list four ways, four places that we can build our lives on. The first one is this. We could build our lives on popular culture. We could build our lives on popular culture. Now, culture is strong because culture has media backing it. Culture has media backing it. So everything you watch, everything you see is created by culture. Not saying culture is bad, just created by culture. So every time you see something, it's created by people who are living in the world that we have today, whether good or bad, they're creating that. And one thing we need to understand about culture is this. Our culture is no longer a Judeo-Christian culture. All culture is no longer a post-Judean Christian culture. Our culture is an anti-Judean Christian culture. That's the culture we live in today. And so if I'm going to build my life and choose to look at culture as my guide, I'm looking at the guide that would lead me away from Christ, away from Jesus, away from the Bible, and it would be in competition with what God says. And as we're going to look at in a little bit, that leads me to shaky ground and it leads me to building my life on sand that won't be sustained because guess what? Culture always changes. Culture always changes because people always change. See, America was established with the idea of freedom of religion. And right now, in our culture, it's freedom from religion. Freedom from religion. That's the culture that we live in today. Popular culture is saying, hey, say this, you know, Jesus is fine. You know, Jesus is fine. Just keep him to yourself. 
He's fine just keep him in your little book, keep him in your little group, keep him in your little church, keep him in your little home, but just don't let him out, okay? Because we don't want to know Jesus. We have our own beliefs. We have our own gods. And who are you to ever tell me that my God might not be right? Or my belief might not be right? That's the culture that we live in today. And so if we're looking for culture for our guide, it's going to lead us to a shaky foundation. Look at this verse from Exodus 23. It says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Just a key idea right from the Bible. By the way, Jesus says this. He says, you know what? He calls the broad road culture, and he says, but there's a broad road you can follow, but there's the narrow road that I want you on, and that leads me to, leads you to faith. Okay, the next one is this. Tradition. Tradition. I can build my life on the way it's always been done. The way it's always been done. As if the good old days were the best days. You ever long, you ever heard somebody longing for the good old days? Have you ever done that yourself? I'm longing for the good old days. See, why don't I tell you this, folks? The good old days weren't that good. <laughs> it's just your memory of the good old days that makes you think they were. That somehow has tapped you into something that you believe, if we could just go back to the good old days, that would be good. And I just want to say, really? Really? You want to go back to that? And what happens is, if you're choosing to say you're going to build your life on tradition, and you're, you've got somebody in your family, this is really going to be cool. If someone in your family is building your life on culture, they're going to be battling all the time. Because culture says, I'm going to, tradition says, I'm going to do it the way I've always done it. Culture says it has to be new, has to be fresh, it has to be engaging, it has to be what, I, you know, what these people say. Tradition says, no, it has to be what people who are dead said. This is what people who are living said. And you've got that conflict going on all the time. And you have that. And so what I want to encourage us to do is say, you know what? Tradition is good. Let's don't build our lives on it. Let's build our lives on something that can sustain us. And the, sustain, the sustaining thing would be God's word. So look at this in Mark 7. By the way, if you know this, those who fought for tradition are the ones who crucified Jesus Christ. So just know that. So if you're fighting for tradition, you know, look at you might be in the same camp as these folks who crucified Christ. Look at what it says in Mark 7. It says, for you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. So you're not living by the Bible. You're living by tradition. You're living by some, you know, false idea, something that felt good at some time, which takes us to the third idea. The third possible foundation is feelings. Feelings. I can build my life on my feelings. And this is the number one base that most people are building their lives on in our culture today is feelings. Whatever I feel is right. Whatever I feel is true. There's no right and wrong. So as I determined it, it's whatever I'm feeling at the moment, it makes it something right or wrong. And so here's the deal. If I base my life on what I'm feeling today, then oftentimes what I'm feeling tomorrow will be different. There will be a different thing that I'm feeling, so I'm going to move to something else that I'm feeling. And here's the deal about feelings in our culture today, is that what we look at, and we've talked a lot about this, we said the difference between cultural morality and biblical morality, we talked a lot about that in this series, is that we look at that, we say, if I'm building my life on what I'm feeling on what I'm feeling. And then what that means is, is that I can never tell someone they're wrong because it's what they feel. And we've elevated feelings to being the top measurement of right or wrong in our world today. And so if I come to you and say that you're wrong, you say it's what I feel, then, you can, then you've judged me. And so when we're building our life on feelings, we're building our lives on something that changes all the time. Just think about this. I've been married 21 years. 21 wonderful years. Okay, just get that down. Make sure I got the right brownie points in place. Now, if Kimberly and I had stayed married for 21 years because we felt like being married to each other, how long do you think we would have been married? 
Yeah, maybe. We might, okay, let's look at it this way. There have been times where we didn't feel like being married because we had conflict with each other. And so we, if we separated or we divorced, if that was our style because we didn't feel like being married, we would have been divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and separated and remarried. All, and basically, her a lot more than me, as she was looking at, because she has the, you know, the harder one to deal with here. Uh, and that's me. Uh, but what I'm saying is you can't base your life on your feelings because your feelings don't accurately reflect reality. There's more to that than your feelings. Judges talks about this. It says this, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right. Another version says, felt right in their own eyes. That's our world today. Everybody's doing what feels right in their own eyes. Feel like doing. Okay, the fourth foundation we can build our lives on, God's word. It's God's word. This is the one foundation that will be secure. This is the one foundation that will never fail. This is the one foundation, and some of you may not have even thought about this before, but this is the one foundation that will always be relevant. Always be relevant because it speaks to the human condition, to the heart, and it speaks about our need and our longing for God and what God has done for us to have relationship with him. Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, oh yeah, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Circle that. It won't collapse. Guarantee. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Built on bedrock. See, we all have good intentions. And what God wants us to do is say, take your good intentions and to make them into specific actions and build your life on what I say on my word. And if you don't, then heads up, the warning's here. If you don't, then you're building your life on sand. I think a good example of this was Hurricane Sandy we just saw on the East Coast. And we saw the newsreels of how many homes that were built on the ocean are no longer standing or no longer there because they had been built on sand. And what God says to us, if you build your life on sand, which would be culture, tradition, and feelings, when the storms come, you're going to end up like that. But if you build your life on this rock, the rock of my word, then you're going to be able to stand strong. Proverbs 14 says this, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Seems right, but it ends in death, the Bible says, except for God's path, except for his word, and it ends in death life. Now, I want to give us a response today. I just want to take a moment, say, okay, we've been in this series now for several weeks, and you've heard what I just said about the importance of the Bible. I'm just going to give you a chance today to make a statement, to take a stand. I know not every one of you are going to be here today. I pray there'll be a day you will be here, but this would be a statement or a stand that you can take. But what I want to do is I want to challenge those of you who have been here for a while, and you've been following Christ, but you've been listening to culture, you've been listening to tradition, or you've been listening to your feelings, and you've let those kind of dictate what you do, and there's conflict in your heart, in your spirit, over what God's Word says. So today, I just want to give you a chance to nail it down. So here's the response. You want to write this down. The response is this. I will accept God's Word as the authority for my life. Not the foundation, the authority. It, God's Word will call the shots, what I'm going to say is from this day out, I'm going to live underneath the umbrella of authority of God's word. I'm going to build my life on what he says and as he guides. Now, what I'd like to ask you to do, you wrote that down. I'm going to ask you to make a verbal response. So if you're with me, this is where you would be today. If you're not, you don't need to do this. If you're with me today, I'm just going to ask you to out loud, as resolutely as you can, that you would say this with me. Ready, go. 
I will accept God's word as the authority for my life. And God, I just pray right now for everyone who verbalized that, that that would be true. And that would be reality. And that would be lived out because the torrents that are coming against them would be anything except what we've stated here. Build your life on anything. God's word is outdated. It's irrelevant. It's just for a a bunch of people who belong to a club. But we're saying God's word is about life, and we will build our life on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now turn your notes over on the backside, and I'm just going to talk to you about how to integrate your life and keep it integrated around this book. Now, in the series, uh, as we've gone through this, we've talked several times, and there's a slogan Rick Warren used a lot uh, we never have used here. We never have, you know, developed it or talked about it. And it was the slogan, I will love the word, learn the word, and live the word. You've heard Rick Warren say it for six weeks, multiple times, but we've never talked about that. And I was just, you know, as I was preparing this week, I thought, what a great three-word message on how you and I can integrate our lives around the Bible. We will love the word, learn the word, and live the word. So you already have the answers to the blanks there if you want to fill those in. But here we go. We're going to talk about those three things. But first of all, we're going to talk about love the word. So you want to write that down. I will love the word. And look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love. I love. That's high affection. I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. So here's the deal, folks. If you're going to integrate your life around the Bible, you have to love the Bible. You have to love the Bible. Now, growing in love with the Bible is something that you get to work with, work on in your life. I've been doing a lot of reading lately uh, about this whole idea of the power of our words. And in the one particular chapter, it talks about how to uh, grow in love and how to sustain love. And uh, it reminds you of what it was like when you first fell in love. You know, when Kimberly and I first fell in love, we were hopeless romantic. So it was lots of love letters, lots of love notes, lots of love expressions that we would give every day. I mean, we were both students and, you know, we were working, but we were on the same campus. And so every day we would know where each other would be. And so we would take moments where we would write, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we just keep going. We'd write things about we love about each other, couldn't wait to see each other, couldn't wait to be with each other. It was just sappy. <laughs> Uh, but we did that. And you know what happened? Because we did that, we fell in love with each other. We fell in love with each other. Do you know how we can maintain the love we have for each other today? Not by just saying, oh, I'm going to love Kimberly more today. No, we speak it to each other. I love you. I love you. I cherish you. And I touch you. It's a new thing I'm trying to do right now. So don't hold me accountable for last week. Okay. So there we go. <laughs> got to be honest. The speaker has to be honest, okay, about what's going on in his life. There we go. We're doing that. So what I'm saying is what I'd like to encourage you to do is start using language. You know what? I love this book. I love the Bible. God, I love how you speak to me through this book. You know what? And, and to be proud of it. Don't just do it in your closet. I love this little book. I love this little book. But to make, go out of the closet and go public with this. And you can say to other people, you know, I really love the Bible. I love how I meet with God in this book. And you start talking love language to God about his book, and you're going to grow in love with the Bible. The way you sustain in your love in the Bible is to keep talking love language about this book. Second, I need to learn the word. I need to learn the word. And we, just, we, have, to, we have to devote time to mining the, the wonderful nuggets of truth from this book. It's just going to take time. The psalmist says this, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths 
in your instruction. So open my eyes. I've got to work at this. And so basically, as I learn the word, we've talked about in this series, then the word will transform me. I just want to illustrate it this way. Okay, right now I've got this pitcher of water, and uh, this pitcher of water is here, and I have four tea bags, four tea bags. I've done this illustration before, but it fits so well here. And because I really needed to have some tea later, I thought we'd do this. Okay, so I've got four tea bags. Each one of these tea bags represents the, the, one of the four methods I'm going to talk to you in just a minute about learning a word. So, okay, we got water. This is our lives. Water in this picture. This is our lives. These are the four methods that we're going to use to grow. And as we bring, them into, bring these methods into our lives, they're going to transform us. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put these in here. And I'm just going to let them sit. And now we're just going to talk for just a little while about the ways that we can learn the Bible. Four ways we can learn the Bible. And the first one is this. I need to receive it with my ears. I need to receive it with my ears. And this is why I'm so encouraged that you're here today. You could have stayed home today. You could have gotten up and the weather was looking pretty bleak. And maybe it was hard for you to get out. And I'm sure there was that dilemma 49ers, rain, church. 49ers, rain, church. I'm sure that dilemma was there. I'll just be honest. I know I'm sure you had that. And so what you did is you chose to say, you know, DVR, fight, church. And you got here, and so you're here, and you're here because you know the importance of hearing God's word. And I talk to you about this all the time. This is so amazing, is that when we're in God's house with God's people, it just ramps up his Holy Spirit's presence and his ability to connect with us because we're more open than we ever would be to his word. And we come here, we hear it, we receive it with our ears. My son, Ryan, he, uh, he works for, uh, he does landscaping on the weekends for different folks. And what he does before he goes to work, because he's all alone doing this landscaping, is that he'll download somewhere around six to eight messages from different pastors around the country that he's learned to respect and likes to listen to. And he takes those to work with him. And so for six to eight solid hours, he's listening to God's word. He's receiving it through his ears. And he's being challenged. He's being changed. He's being transformed. He's learning how to speak. He's learning how, you know, how not to speak. All kinds of ways he's learning just by doing that. So I'm glad that you're here today. The second way is I need to read it with my eyes. I need to read it with my eyes. You need to read it for yourself. And this is one of the really cool things is that in this 40 days, uh, if you've, you know, followed through, you've read the Bible for 40 straight days. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, okay? Because one, that would be bragging for some of you. And for others, you might feel a little bit like, oh, I missed out. So we're not going to do that. But what I want to encourage you to do is that to continue in this challenge is to read the Bible. So I'm going to give you some tools today to actually help. Uh, I want you to keep reading the Bible all the way through December 31st in the same pattern every day. And then December 31st, we're going to re-up. I mean, January 1st, we're going to re-up and we're going to say, I'm going to read the Bible every day for a year. But here we go. I'm just asking for 30 days, 30 days, 30 days that you would read the Bible. Right inside your program is this 30-day bookmark. And what I just thought this is really cool when I discovered this this week is that as we end in December, we're focusing all of our attention on the baby Jesus. It's all about the baby Jesus. It's all about the baby Jesus. And I, so I thought, wouldn't it be cool if that we were able to focus on the man Jesus for 30 days so that as Christmas gets closer, we now understand why the baby Jesus is so important. So we're going to read the four Gospels in 30 days. 
It's going to be about three chapters a day. You can read one chapter a day, and then you can go on. Just whatever, your, whatever works with your life and your schedule, this is one of the tools that you can use. You can also go to Uversion, which is an, the, our online Bible app that you can, not ours, but the online Bible app you can use, and you can down, they've got multitudes of reading plans you can look at if you wanted to do that. You know what? Another tool that you could use if you didn't want to use this and you wanted to read more Old Testament, you could go to Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. Oh, mm, December has 31 days. So I can do that, and I could use the book of Proverbs. Today's December 2nd. I read chapter 2. Tomorrow, chapter 3. When I get to the end of December, I've read all of Proverbs. You could do that as your reading plan as well. You might even want to stop today and get a journal. Our life journals. In the back, it has a reading plan that you can use. The one that we use is our church family for reading through in a year. But well, the really cool thing about a journal is, is now it's got an opportunity for you to write down what God says to you. You know, you read till you feel a, hear a bump. You read till God speaks to you, and then you stop and write it down. So the journal is a great way to do that. You might want to stop and get a journal before you leave today and just say, I'm going to just use this journal as a way to keep me motivated to read the Bible. And then the third way is I need to research it with my mind. We're talking about Bible study here. Now, the last two Sundays, we actually took our service, and we did a Bible study. Last two Sundays. It was just awesome. It was really cool. I did one. Pastor John did another one. And we just showed you how simple it is that everybody can study the Bible. And we talked about this whole idea, and Rick Warren highlighted it as well, of the kind of the... Um, interpret the, the bridge of, of understanding God's word. And so we've got the application bridge. So here we go. We've got, I read what it meant then. What is the timeless principle I can draw out? And what can I do today? Application bridge. What it meant then, timeless principle. Application, what can I do today? And we've learned that and we've looked through the Bible. Pastor John suggested last week that you get a study Bible. That would be a great thing. You know what? You're making your Christmas list. You're thinking about what you want, all kinds of things you could want in this world. Wouldn't it be great if on that list was a study Bible? A study Bible. And you might even add a journal to that, life journal, so you could have both and you could learn to study the Word. And the last thing is I have to remember it with my heart. I have to remember it with my heart. Talked about memorization. We've memorized six verses in the last few weeks. Uh, every week in your program, it's, I think it's either in your message notes or in the inside of your program, can't remember, we kind of changed where we locate it now, is a verse that we put in there, and you could actually take that verse and you could memorize it. It fits with the message of the day, and you could memorize, by the end of next year, you could have memorized 52 verses. You start there. Just a chance for you to memorize, and you can access his word, integrate it by memorizing it. And then look what the psalmist says. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth, Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. So I may honor you. Okay, let's take a peek at our pitcher of water now. Wow, that looks different. Something's happened. I brought, put the four tea bags in, and now we no longer have a pitcher of water. We have a pitcher of tea. It's been transformed. It's been changed. And this is the, by the way, Mmm, it has aroma of tea. It smells like tea. You know what? I'm not going to drink out of the pitcher. I do this at home, but not church, okay? <laughs> it tastes like tea, I'm sure. It is now tea. It's no longer water. It will never be water again. It is always going to be tea. And what happens in our lives is we embrace God's Word, and we learn it, we bring it into us. God makes us have the aroma of Christ 
have his aroma. God transforms us and changes us from an old identity to a new identity. As we walk with him, he uses it to make us different. We will no longer be the person we were. We will always be the new creation. We'll be even formed more and more into the image of Christ as we learn from him. So we learn the word. Three, we live the word. We live the word. So, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the whole idea of, um, you know, there's a lot of good reasons why Christians get a bad name. There really is. A lot of good reasons. And the main reason I see that Christians get a rotten name and reputation is because, as those who don't know Christ look at them. See, people who don't know Christ, they still have an idea of what a Christian is should do and should be like. They have an idea, maybe, of what the Bible actually says. And what happens oftentimes is they look at people who stand boldly on the name of God, the Word of God. They look at them, and then they see discrepancies in what they already know the Bible teaches or what they know Christianity stands for, and they look at that, and they label them as a hypocrite. As a hypocrite. you got to know, when unchurched people look at churched people, the number one reason that unchurched people don't want Christ is because they look at church people and they see people who don't act consistently and live consistently what the Bible says. I've seen this in my own family. I've seen my own family, seen judgment uh, from folks who are far from God, for those who claim to be close to God, and as they look at that, that when the ones who are far from God look at the ones who are close to God living inconsistently, what they know Christ says, it's made the ones who are far from God go even further from God. And I say this in every one-on-one class, and, you know, I, I just couch it with, I wish I didn't have to say this today, but when folks are talking about becoming part of our church, what I say to them is, our church will be judged by your life. And that's really true, but here's the bigger kicker. Our God will be judged by your life. When you say you know God, when you say you follow him, our God will be judged by the way you live. And so what God wants me to do is integrate the Bible into my life, and he shows me how he wants me to live. It's the right foundation, and if I will just live out what he says, just imagine how many people who don't know Christ would say yes simply because we were living for Christ and we were living in him. Just imagine what would happen. Look at what James says, a verse we've used several times in this series. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Bless you for doing it. So living God's word simply means this. It says, God, your word is going to be the number one priority in my life. You are number one. And here's how I'm going to prove it, God. I'm going to prove it by my finances. God, I'm going to prove it by the way I protect my purity. God, I'm going to prove it by the way I pursue my career. God, I'm going to prove it by the way I treat and love my family. God, I'm going to prove it by the way I manage my time. I'm going to prove it by the attention I focus on those who don't yet know Jesus. God, I'm going to prove it by my heart for those who are hurting and lost. God, I'm going to prove it by the actions of compassion I give in my world. I'm going to prove it, God, by the way I live, by the way I live. I got another email, a uh, 40-day story that is so cool. It says this, our small group chose to take lunch to the local Women of Worth for our 40 Days in the Word Extend Compassion Project. This was such a joy to our group. 
the people at the Women of Words shared that in their 12 years of service, no one has done anything for the staff that works there. When we called and asked if we could bring them lunch, this brought tears to their eyes. We were shocked to hear this. They will never know how much of a blessing and a joy they brought to our lives to allow us to bring them lunch. Our group had had someone who's affected by domestic violence, so Women of Worth was a very special choice for our group. We now are going to make this a monthly occurrence where we try to do something for this amazing staff as we go out and live the word. Isn't that cool? One small group is going to say, I'm going to not just do it because the church asked me to, but I'm going to do it because of my heart and because of how I can influence and affect other people. So we're going to love the word, we're going to learn the word, and we're going to live the word. And look what this verse says from Hebrews chapter 4. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Would you bow your heads and let's pray a moment. Father, I just understand still that there's so many of us that come from so many perspectives today. Lord, I pray that each one of us, as we've been through this series, or maybe even just by being here today, that we would say to you, God, I'm going to read your word more. God, I know I'm not going to be perfect. Uh, I'll do my best to read it often. I'll do my best to read it every day. I'm just going to commit to you today. I'm going to read it more. I'm going to allow you to speak to me, Father. God, I'm going to learn to love your word, not doubt your word, not do mental gymnastics, trying to understand your word about, you know, really problematic passages to me, but I'm going to learn to love even those and listen to you so that as I love your word, I grow more in love with you. And Father, we're going to learn your word. We're going to be willing to receive it, we're going to read it, we're going to research it and remember it. It's going to be part of who we are, God. We're going to learn your word. And then, Father, the ultimate goal is that everyone in this room would live the word, that we would live your word in our lives, that we might see lives transformed as ours are transformed as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.